Hey guys, welcome to a show. Haven't done one of these in a while, but uh, wanted to sit down with you and have a conversation. There's been some topics that have been coming up recently that I think would be good to do a longer, longer discussion on and hopefully provide some clarity in your situation and maybe some, some ways forward to... Uh, get things back on track hopefully I can keep uh, keep the noises down although I did hear some stuff just pop up which is kind of frustrating so let me see if I can get out of that so one of the things that, that has been coming up lately that has been a little tough are reminds me of times when it was a little tough was that transition period from the beginning of this when you are convinced that nothing will ever get better you know you're a slave to your ex the system doesn't care and you know in a lot of ways i will say that most you know there's a lot of truth to that which that's probably not a great thing to say because you don't want to hear that you want to hear that you know, there's some fairness, there's justice, there's a, there's a way forward through all of this where things change and it starts to feel fair. I personally was stuck in that mode for an extended period of time. I was constantly, daily, daily, waking up, Reliving this trauma, asking the same question over and over again of why is this happening? Why is this not fair? How in the world can I go through this? Realize that I've been living a lie and there are no apparent consequences for the ex. Uh, through all of this. And what I'll tell you is, is that, uh, you know, I, like I said, I struggled with that for a really long time. And then what happened after an extended period of time, I realized that if I did not make some type of change, this would consume me and probably end me. And the other aspect of this is I'm like, how do I get this person out of my head? How do I get, you know, that free real estate? How do I, how do I evict them and start shifting what I'm thinking about, what I'm doing from just constantly ruminating about this situation into something that was more positive for me, ultimately more positive for my children. And it was a really tough journey. When I was going through that darkest time, I did not, I did not feel, I did not see a pathway through this 
to a life that wasn't just a train wreck. The, the weird part about this is now when I look at it or now when I look at my life, you know, it's like, man, you know, I mean, I do not feel that way now. And just to be clear, I know I've said this in other videos, but I'm just going to reiterate it now. There was no huge victory. There was no significant change. There was no court order that, that uh, forced her to get a job, uh, lowered the support, you know, gave me my retirement back or anything like that. None of that happened. Basically, the scenario stayed the same. Now, the, the dilemma I had is that the, you know, when 12, 12 years ago, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when this started, and I was looking, I mean, when it really, when it first started, the numbers and everything were just horrific. I mean, it's like, you know, she's trying to leave the state. Uh, she was getting a hell of a lot more money than she was, you know, getting later. Um, I mean, it just looked horrible. You know, 63% of my take-home pay at the time was going to her. I had, I would, I did not have enough money to pay rent, put gas in the car, and buy food. After a while, things uh, got a little bit better-ish, meaning 50-50 custody was finally agreed to. Child support was adjusted down. I still paid but it was still like 50% of my take-home pay to her. And the first kid didn't drop off for what, six, seven years. So, I mean, there was a period of time where I had a really tight food budget. I basically budgeted $150 every two weeks to feed four, four people, you know, three kids, one adult for 50% of the time. And, you know, I was still paying rent and gas and electricity and all those things. You know, my monthly buffer from two pay, you know, so four, every four weeks, I got paid twice, you know, every other week. So in four four weeks, you know, two paychecks. It was every. I think my buffer was sixty to eighty dollars. That included gas, food, rent, electric, and no wiggle room. If I got sick and had to pay the twenty five or the kids got sick, you know, I had to pay the, you know, $25 copay to go to urgent care, you know, I mean, and then if there was any med, you know, plus the gas to get there, I didn't have, I mean, it was just, it was a, it was a complete Charlie Foxtrot. And, and see, the thing is, is that a lot of you might be in that mode right now going, yeah, that's, a, that's me. That's, that's the situation I'm in right now. You know, okay, Dwayne, tell me how this is going to get better. What happened to make your to to make it okay? And honestly, the 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 thing that happened is I made my peace with it. 
I just, I realized that I could wake up every day. I could wake up every day for the rest of my life and be fully justified in being angry and enumerating the losses that I've, that I have experienced. You may know people in real life who, when you chat with them, they enumerate everything that's happened. And some, and, and there is some, some weird camaraderie in that, you know, you can sit there and go, ah, you know, I lost this and that, you know, I lost that and this. I used to enjoy joking because I'm a sarcastic SOB. Something would come up at work and someone would say something, you know, you know, whatever, uh, whatever, something about a shovel or whatever. And I'd say, yeah, I used to have a shovel, but, but I lost that in the divorce, you know, and I kind of make it a joke, but, but it was a negative mindset. I mean, right. I mean, I was, I was thinking every day about what I had lost and I got an email from uh, a guy earlier today, and I had a conversation, a coaching call with another person where this was the, the topic that was, was a reoccurring topic. It's like, how do, you know, I mean, oh my God, I've lost everything. I've worked my entire life building something for it to be obliterated. And how do I, how do I come back from that? And there's, there's not an easy answer. There isn't. I mean, there's, there's no simple answer, you know. I mean, and, and see, the good part is, is let, me, let me say this. You know, nothing happened in my situation to make it better. I did not win the lottery. I did not get a gigantic raise. I did not get an inheritance. I did not, you know, get with a sugar mama. I, the, the situation has remained the same. Now you can look at that and go, well, wait a minute. You know, if the situation remains the same, you know, oh my God, my life is never going to get better. And again, like I said, I have every right, just like you have every right to be angry about this. I could be angry about this today. I could be like, I, you know, I can't buy a house because of what the X is, you know, the scenario with the X. It bled me dry. I'm 50. I mean, I could turn around and say, oh my God, I'm 52 years old. You know, my retirement is nothing. My pension is nothing. I will never be able, you know, I will probably have to die before, I, you know, but I mean, I can be negative like that. And I ultimately decided that I was done thinking about that type of stuff in that way. I'm like, holy crap, this person has, you know, has corrupted 20, I mean, we were married 20 years, has corrupted two decades of my life, is in the process of corrupting the third decade, and, you know, my whole life is going to be crap, and I'll basically just be a miserable mess until I finally no longer function and, you know, leave, you know, leave the planet, so to speak. What a colossal extraordinary waste of time and energy if I spent the rest of my life thinking about that. And I have known people in real life 
who have done that, who have latched on to the anger and let it corrupt every aspect of their life for what? Effectively, if you do that, you are letting the ex completely win the game. You're letting them take everything from you and destroy any opportunity for a better life. And that is, that is tragic. Now, I will tell you, or I will reiterate, that this is, well, I'll just say it. This is fucking hard. This is not easy. This isn't one of those things where you just go, oh, everything is going to be okay. And, you know, you, you put on a happy face and you convince yourself to, you know, to just accept it. <clears throat> no, that's not the way this plays out. However, what you have to do is realize if I do not stop myself from going down this dark path, it will consume me and destroy me. So three years into this, I am spiraling out of control. Depression is going through the roof. My, my, my candle of hope is at its last little flicker. And I am not seeing a pathway through this. I am feeling like this is, I am going to be a slave to this person. And they're going to be gallivanting around, enjoying their life, not facing any consequences. And, you know, it's just going to be a pile of crap. And in, I mean, guys, I right now today could easily say that these fucking people have the ability like goo to just swarm through or slither through consequences. And when I say consequences, I mean consequences like, like we would like to see. We would like to see them, you know, run up the flagpole and expose and everyone point and stare and say, you know, look at that horrible person and what they've done. The, the reality is, is these people are a mess. They're damaged. You know, some people call them damaged goods. And, and I'll say, I mean, even if it's a guy that's on this thing, when you have somebody who is totally narcissistic and live in their own fantasy world and have their own view of reality that is just wacko, they cannot escape that. They are going to live that for the rest of their lives. Now, there is a chance that something could maybe happen to cause them to have an epiphany, but typically, statistically, that is not going to happen. They, and, and the reality is, is that it's a defenses, defense mechanism that they've developed from childhood because of whatever their experience was. <laughs> Maybe it was just they were born a demon, but from day one, they start 
living life in this way. And every day that they do, every day that they progress in this is, is one more mile in their journey that they would have to go backwards in to get back through it. This is the reason why they try to destroy you. Because if you're destroyed and your credibility is destroyed, then if you try to expose them, no one will believe you and their fragile, fragile ego will be secured. And there's always people who enjoy drama. There are always people who get entrapped by these, these people. And they are going to just bring chaos and pain and, and just corrupt everything that they get involved in. So even if you, and it used to drive me crazy, I would see the ex skipping, literally skipping along down the road, like, like everything was just fine. And I'm like, what the, what in the world? Okay. The reason I'm, I'm saying this, the reason I'm telling this story is I need you to understand that I, more than likely, that our stories are intertwined and very similar. Now, the reason this is important is because, in my opinion, is if our stories are similar, if you can hear what I'm saying and going, holy crap, that's exactly what I am feeling right now. That's exactly what I'm dealing with. Then maybe the next part of this will make more sense and you will believe that there is a chance slash possibility that you too will be able to get to the other side of this without some divine intervention and be able to be guys i'm (laughs) i'm a fucking happy person even with this crap that continues to go on because these people don't stop the wedge issues continue you know, I constantly have to keep my guard up around the ex and I have to keep my guard up around the children because there is always the potential that a landmine or a bomb has been put in my way that will help me to destroy everything that I built with the kids and in my own life. But here's the thing. Even with that, I like my life. I, instead of, here's the thing, instead of me being right now going, oh my God, my life is screwed. My retirement is gone. Like everything I was talking about before, all these things, which, which I mean, effectively it's, it's, I could absolutely dwell on it because, you know, I don't have a retirement savings anymore. You know, I mean, I don't have a a good retirement plan because most of it was based off of, uh, of of the 401k and building that balance up, it's gone, you know? I mean, so I could sit here every day and just be, you know, mad. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking be mad anymore. And this is, and I'm not saying this today. I'm talking about this for a few years ago. This is, I'm like, I can't do this. Every day cannot be spent ruminating about the ex. Even when I'm, you know, early part of my relationship with Debbie, who I've been with for like, I think, we're eight years, so January will be nine. You know, I mean, we don't live together or whatever, but it's a long, it's an LTR. It's a long-term relationship. But in the beginning, most of our conversations when we would talk, 
90% of the time, it was about the kids and the ex. And what's going to happen next? And, you know, how, what did she get away with? And what, what's the strategy? And, and, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, the ex was screwing with everything. I mean, you know, we would do a trip. And if we made the mistake of telling the kids about the trip, the ex would either do it before we did it or would, would somehow corrupt slash ruin it. That, so it was, it was a problem. And even if we were able to do a trip, as soon as, you know, and even if the kids enjoyed it, as soon as we returned and they went back over there, then as soon as they came back, their recollection and memory was, oh, it wasn't that much fun. Oh, this was bad. Oh, that was bad. You know, I mean, it was like, what? And I, I mean, so, I mean, it was dealing with all that crap. But I got to the point where I'm like, I just, I can't, I can't keep giving giving her, the ex, my intention, my attention. To be perfectly honest, if I wasn't doing this channel and trying to help people to get through that phase that was really having me st stuck, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't even be talking about it. The only time I would talk about it is if I ran into somebody in real life who was going through it and they needed, they needed somebody to help them. And I would, I mean, I absolutely would do that. But uh, I see, I mean, I get the comments from people in the emails about how much this has helped them and how much it's helped them get their life back. And I remember, I mean, I can still remember how dark it felt for me. There was no DSD channel when I was going through this 10 years ago. I, to be honest, I couldn't find anything positive, constructive for, you know, for guys going through this or anybody going through it with a relationship. You know, I mean, so, I mean, that's what keeps this going. But the point of this is one day I just had the realization that if I did not stop this, if I did not take actionable steps to regain my life, this would destroy it, destroy my life. I remember a conversation I had with a good friend of mine. And I, every day we, you know, every day we'd meet for coffee in the morning and I would spend an hour basically telling him the same story date. And I, and I, this guy love this guy fucking saved my life. And the fact and I mean, oh my God, I can't even imagine how depressing it had to be to hear the same shit every day. He at one point said to me, Dwayne, you've got to try something else. You have to try something different. You know, you, you owe it to yourself to get your life back. That's where the whole hypnosis thing, he's like, man, maybe you should look into hypnosis. Maybe you should look into, you know, other therapies, you know, look in, you know, try something different because you're not, you're not breaking free from this. And he was absolutely right. So I made that decision that I was going to stop. And it was like, well, and, and let me just be clear. 
I made the decision that I was going to make the attempt to try to stop. So you're like, okay, you're probably thinking, well, what does that look like? I mean, because I would love to say, you know what? Cold turkey. I woke up one day and said, enough. I am not wasting one more time thinking about that person. And I'm turning over a new leaf. And that day was the most beautiful day in the world. No, it was, a, it was not the most beautiful day in the world. It was really hard. I mean, I had to struggle with myself to, to, to add a, my own pattern interrupt because I didn't have someone sitting there telling me, knock it off. I had to do it myself. And I just got to the point where, I mean, even with, with, uh, with Debbie, I mean, there were times where I'm like, okay, we can't, we can't talk about this anymore. You know, and, th- and then the funny part is, is because these people, when I say these people, I'm talking about my extra narcissistic, toxic people, they don't, they don't just stop, right? So as soon as they realize that uh, they're losing control of you in a certain way, they move on to something else. Mine, she focused on me or, you know, punching at me, I guess. Shifted that to the kids. And once that stopped working to get a, to get a reaction from me, it focused, everything started focusing on Debbie. You know, just snarky little comments, you know, oh, well, I'm waiting to date somebody really good. I'm just, you know, I mean, it was weird back then. I mean, I remember the kids coming to me and saying, oh, mommy, mommy won't introduce anybody to us until they're the right person. It was a fucking lie, but, you know, until it's the right person. And I know what the, the, the underlying comment was, you know, well, you, you know, you are, have introduced somebody. So, you know, that's, you know, you just picked anybody, you know, right? And I mean, and, and, and just to kind of flesh this story out, I mean, on that part of it, uh, initially the kids were building a good relationship with Debbie. And that got totally jacked up, you know, one by one. So I get to the stage where I'm like, okay, I have to, I have to change the way I'm looking at this, the way I'm thinking about it, because it is not helping me. So I start working on the pattern interrupt. That's, this, is, this is where the absolute thinking kind of came from. My, my mindset for narcissistic abuse recovery playlist. The second video, absolute thinking. The third video, black hole thinking. Absolute thinking was, was the way I started to answer the question of why. You know, and my ex has never been diagnosed with a problem, but I'm just like, instead of always going why, why, why? I'm like, okay, look at the patterns of behavior. The patterns of behavior fall exactly with everything I've learned and everything that's written down for narcissistic personality disorder behavior. So her behavior, 1000% is in line with NPD. So I'm just going to accept that's exactly 1000% what it is. And I'm like, I'm not going to sit there and argue with myself because I used to argue with myself. I'd be like, oh, well, maybe it's not that. Maybe I'm just making it up. Maybe it's not that bad. Maybe, you know, maybe uh, I just did this wrong and created this problem and, and it's just a misunderstanding. No, NPD. And then after that, once I started getting a little bit of handle on that, and that was a combination of, of using that, men, that methodology of thinking, of using those hypnosis files that I list on my website, 
dadsurvivingdivorce.com slash resources or hypnosis, and it'll take you to there. And I would listen to those every day, and I would remind myself of what I was dealing with and what the reality was. And then what happens, you know, the kids come over and they start telling you, oh, wow, we did this with mommy. Or, you know, I would do, I was like, okay, this movie is kind of come out. I'm going to rent it. We're going to watch it. Okay, guys, you know, you're back over here. We're going to, we're going to watch this movie that just came out. Oh, we just saw it with mommy. And I'm like, but we were, you know, I mean, just like, you know, the kids just jabbed in the eye. And, uh, and I, you know, I mean, it was just like, everything was a reminder. Everything was, was, you know, a poke in the eye, which rolled into the black hole thinking video and that concept, which is, you know, treat your ex and everything that's going on over there. Like it's a black hole. You can't, you don't know what's going on over there. You can't see through it. Do not get too close to it because you'll get sucked into the black hole. You know, the gravitational pull will pull you through and you will not escape. And okay, I use quirky little ideas and, and sarcastic little things to help, me, to help me deal with it and process it. But again, the, the point of this is this was an iterative daily thing that I struggled with for a while. And when I say a while, it's like I didn't start seeing improvements that I could recognize as little, tiny, micro improvements. And it took about a month for that to start happening. I mean, so in other words, what I'm saying is, is that I would feel like crap and I would still be, you know, switching into the ruminating mode. And initially it was like, so maybe I would have, so the, like the, you know, within the first month, maybe it was like, oh, okay, I had a cup, I had a good I had a good couple of hours. You know, I can start seeing that I had a good afternoon. And then it grew into a good day. And then, you know, like so in a week, you know, one day was good and six days were crap. And then that started to shift and it started to grow. One day turned into two, two turned into three, three turned into five, five turned into seven, seven turned into 10, you know, and then it gets to the point where it's like, holy crap, you know, 90% of my time, I'm feeling okay. Now, keep in mind, when I say I'm feeling okay, nothing had changed. I had not, like I said, I did not win the lottery. I did not get a victory in court. I didn't, she didn't get hit by a truck. You know, I was still paying um, and I was still getting screwed with on different things. And the kids were poking me indirectly in the eye and all that kind of stuff. But it started to shift and I started feeling better. And, and instead of looking at the future and feeling like, oh my God, this is just horrible. I'm like, okay, well, wow, what's going to happen next? You know what, you know, cause some, at the same time, some good things starts hap, started to happen in my life. Meeting different people, different experiences, you know, uh, just that type of thing. Yeah. And, and it was just, it was, it was kind of bizarre because it was like, wow, you know, I mean, nothing's really changed. I've changed. I've changed the way I'm looking at things. And as a result of that, things are starting to get better. Then it was like, you know, things would just kind of work out. I mean, what I noticed is, is like, if, if something did go wrong, it would be like the best case scenario of it going wrong. Like for instance, you know, stupid stuff like, 
battery die in my vehicle. Battery die, you know, could die in the middle of nowhere, and you know, and you're completely stranded. And it wouldn't. It would die in my driveway, or it would die when I got to my destination. You know, I mean, at one time I was running up to Vegas because uh, I had a friend of mine, actually the guy I was telling you about earlier, who had a heart attack, and basically I got the call that said, "Hey, he's not gonna. You know, he's probably not gonna make it. If you want to see him before he's gone, you need to get up here." Now, just to be clear, he made it. Thank God. And, uh, but I drove all the way up there, all the way to Vegas. So four hours from here, I'm not that far away, but you know, get up there, stop at one point, a couple points to, you know, use the restroom, turn the car off, whatever, get all the way up there, pull into the hospital where everyone's at truck died, battery's dead. Not a big deal. You know, I spent the night at the hospital next morning when everything was open, one of the other guys that was there. We got together, jumped my truck, went over, got a new battery. Not a problem. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm to the point now when stuff happens, it's like, huh, well, that's interesting. I wonder what this is going to, you know, wonder where this is going to lead. And it's almost like, okay, where is this story going to go? And it's not, it doesn't feel like a nightmare anymore. A lot of you probably right now are feeling like it is a nightmare. It's like, oh my God, you know, when's the next jump scare going to come out? I mean, and I was there, I lived that. I lived having panic attacks going to the mailbox because one of the things that over the course of the years in the beginning part of it that the ex enjoyed to do was to get medical bills, not pay them, wait till they went to collection and then in crayon. Well, okay, I'm being sarcastic, but I'll go ahead and finish that thought. In crayon, write my name and, uh, you know, say, write my name and my address. And to the point now that even today, my credit report shows I lived at her house because she would do that. I mean, and so I was freaked out. I wouldn't want to go to the mailbox because there'd be some other collection thing. And remember in the earlier part of this video and this story or not video, this audio, I said I had no buffer. So when I got a bill for, you know, going to collections for a hundred dollars, I didn't have a hundred dollars. I, and at the time I had no credit card and I had no, well, I had a credit card, but I mean, it was maxed out. There was no room on it. I mean, I had no flexibility and it was horrible, you know, and I didn't have anyone bailing me out. I didn't have anybody. Uh, I mean, Debbie did help a lot, um, in different things, but I mean, it wasn't like somebody was like, Hey, here's a thousand, you know, Oh, here's a thousand dollars. Here's a thousand dollars. Debbie wasn't packed with money. At one point, I had to get tired. I know I told this story before, but I had to. I needed tires for my truck, so I. <laughs> this is when I was not when I was when I was not happy and angry, and I'm like, I, so I'll say it this way. I'm like, I needed tires for my fucking truck so I could get to work, so I could pay her. <laughs> you know the ransom. Uh, it's you know, <laughs> and I and I laugh about that now, but I wasn't laughing then. I was pissed. You know, so anyways, so so Debbie basically lent me a few hundred bucks so I could buy two tires to get the truck back on the road. Maybe it was, I don't know, I don't remember how many it was, but I mean, I just, I didn't have the money. And I hated it. And I basically scrimped and saved and paid her off in a couple of months. I mean, a few hundred dollars. It took me a, a few months to be able to pay her back. You know, I mean, so it was a slap in the face. I'm looking at going, oh my God, I'm I, at the time. I'm like, what in my forties, 
I'm like, I'm a, I make great money. I have a good career. And I'm, and I'm because of this scenario, because of what this person has done to me, I'm, you know, I'm, I might as well be working at McDonald's, you know, asking you how, if you wanted a, a hot apple pie. I don't even think they do that anymore. But, you know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So I ultimately made my peace with it. I start, I, I finally realized what I was dealing with. Someone introduced me to the, actually it was my therapist who, who introduced me to the concept of M narcissistic personality disorder, NPD, of the cluster B and the DSM-5. And it started giving me answers. And that didn't, and just to be clear, that did not fix the situation immediately. It helped. It gave me answers, finally gave me some closure. But it didn't, it didn't necessarily change everything and make it like super easy. It was still hard. All this has taken, I mean, now it's not hard. Now it's like, whatever, you know, do whatever the hell you want to do. You know, I mean, and it's just, it's, uh, it's different. I mean, there was a period of time where I would fight her on everything. And I don't really do that anymore because I focus, I've switched my focus and what's the best for the kids. Like for instance, I'll tell a story in our little area. If you guys ever heard of wasteland weekend, it's a group of people who are trying to create their own burning man in my little area. And in the desert of where of, of near where I live, they go out and they play Mad Max. They have a Thunderdome. They have modified vehicles. They wear, you know, the women wear, you know, basically almost nothing. You know, and, uh, you know, this has become the thing that is her number one priority, the X, right? So the other day I get this note from my son who's saying, oh, Wasteland Weekend's coming up. Uh, we have, mommy says uh, it's on her week, but, you know, we have to stay with, with you. And I, I mean, okay, instantly piss me off. I'm like, I'm TDY. I'm not going to be here. And, uh, you know, then the following week, whenever I, my other, my youngest came over, you know, they said the same thing. And I'm like, and I'm like, I didn't say, okay, at first I'm like, um, and just to keep, be clear. I mean, this is right around Debbie's. <laughs> Debbie's birthday, right? I mean, we, we had plans and I, and then I'm just thinking, you know, it, I, I'm thinking, oh, okay, I know what's going to happen, right? You would think somebody would, would prioritize their kids. And I'm, um, and I'm like, no, she's going to pull the one in high school out and the one that needs to get to the bus stop to go to college, she's going to just say, it's your problem. And I was like, oh crap. I'm like, okay, all right, fine. I can move things around. I'll take care of it, you know? And then at one point, my uh, high schooler who's a senior was under the impression that it was um, going to be like during senior portraits and stuff. And I'm like, oh, dear God, you know, and the kids like they do, they just kind of roll with it and try to make, you know, they just try to make it OK, because what can they do? And uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. I mean, so I I basically I'm like, all right, cool, I got it covered. And then, you know, a little while later, the youngest like, oh, it's all taken care of. I'm like, oh, awesome. So you're you know, you're going to still be able to go to school and your brother's going to be able to go to get the bus to take the two hour bus trip to uh, do, you know, to finish up his college. He's almost done with his associate stuff. Oh, no, 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 that's not happening. I'm going to do independent study. And oh, I forgot about my brother. Right. And I'm just like, so um, and that's and that's kind of what happened. My, my son came over here so I could get him 
to you know help him get to the bus stop. If you guys don't know, he's got a disability, so it's not like he can you know ride a bike and or you know whatever. I mean, it's it's complicated for him to move around. And uh, you know, I mean, it's just yet a, yet another example of how this person, you know, I'm ten years into it. This person does the same thing, constantly demonstrates, gives zero craps about anybody other than herself. Which I would imagine, in your situation, you probably have noticed the same thing, that your ex continually demonstrates that the only thing a person that matters is them. And they, you know, constantly do their thing. My point is this, is the stuff doesn't get to me anymore. I don't get pissed about it. You know, uh, I, it's, it's, uh, there comes a point where the PTSD, if you do the work on it, goes away. It's not easy. It took a long time. The mailbox scenario story I was just telling you about it took a long time for me to get to the point where I made my peace with that. And it doesn't, you know, I had a thing a couple of years ago with my, well, actually it's probably four years ago now, where my youngest turned 18 in high school. The ex did not validate that the kids were in high school. I uh, talked to child support services and I'm like, hey, you know, is, is, did they ever respond to the paperwork? Nope. I'm like, okay. And, and it was kind of interesting because I'm like, hey, don't say anything. And they're like, you know, because they're pretty nice. I mean, for a messed up organization, they were okay. And I'm like, look, here's the deal. I know I'm going to have to pay it if she says something about it. I'm not worried aboard, about it. It's just a data point. I just want to know what she's going to do. And I just want to see. It's just, it's just a test. And I'll tell you, you know, a few months later, you know, turned 18, a few months later, graduated high school, Graduated in June, end of June, I get a letter from, you know, a letter in my mailbox from the Department of Child Support Services saying, hey, uh, you're in arrears now, you owe, you know, you owe a number. And what I will tell you is I had no panic attack on that. I didn't freak out when I saw what it was. I, I was like, oh, wow. I opened it up and it's like, you know, oh, you know, your kid was still in high school, so you owe four months, you know, a few thousand dollars of, uh, of support. And, and I didn't, I was just like, wow, I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I'm like, that's weird. I wonder, I mean, I'm like that. So she, I'm like, why did she, why did she wait? You know, I mean, and it was like no stress. It was like, huh, that's interesting. No anger came in, sat right here at mission control Open the letter, you know, do, 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 you know, called the Department of Child Support Services, talked to my rep, can't remember what their name was at the time, you know, hey, Julie. So it's like, hey, um, you know, okay, so how much do I owe? Oh, you owe, you know, a few thousand bucks. Actually, the funny part is, is I had said, not out loud, but to, I mean, out loud to me, I'd said, you know, I need about, it was like 1200 bucks or whatever. Turned out I needed to pay him like two grand or something. And it was like the universe, because I dealt with this in a positive way, manifested the exact amount. I had, it was weird. I started doing the coaching thing uh, on YouTube, you know, kind of had a boost. And it's like when the bill came, the, the exact amount of money I needed showed up. It's the most bizarre thing. Anyways, 
But in the course of this conversation with the Department of Child Support Services, I said, hey, so let me ask you. I said, so what happened? I'm like, this, you know, I'm like, I'm like, so she actually responded back to you guys and and uh, and validated that that the kids were still in school. And they're like, oh no, that's not what happened. I'm like, oh, what well, what happened? He goes, oh, well, when we send the letter out, <laughs> see, they never told me this. <laughs> when we send the letter out, we send it to her and we send it to the high school. So what happened is, is after my middle daughter graduated, this is when this happened, right? When my middle daughter graduated and it was all done and the principal was closing out the books, he grabbed the letter and said, this child has graduated high school on the 6th of January, not January, June, and mailed it back. And that's what, and that's what happened. And I was like, I'm like, so she would have, I mean, all she had to do was just fill out the piece of paper and mail it back. Twice she didn't do that on the two kids. This last, last kid is going to graduate at 17 and then turn 18 over the summer. So my understanding is that that bill will still be there until the 18th birthday. My point is this. You know, six months, not six months, you know, but a few years before that, you know, because there was a period of time where I did get letters from child support services and I would, as soon as I saw it, I would have a, I mean, I would have an anxiety attack and I'd open it and read it and then it would just freak me out and it would like be, it, it would be like re-experiencing the pain all over again. Now, what I will say is had I decided to stay bitter and angry, I would be totally, I'd still be angry. Today, I would be angry. And when I got that letter, a few years before, I guess my, I'm thinking about it because my, my, that middle child is in their senior year of college for their bachelor's degree and they will be finishing. So this is like four years ago. And I would have had a panic attack then. So the thing is, you have to find a way to let this go. You have to find a way to make peace with it. And, and I know that if you're in the other part of this, me even saying that is going to be, this is unattainable and not possible. And what I will tell you is I get it because when I was at your stage at that time, when I was in the, the, that mode, I felt the exact same way. Like this is never going to change. I will never not be angry about this and feel bitter about this. And I worked on it. I worked on it with a therapist. I worked on it with... I'd like to say meditation, but I've never been able to figure that out. But I did the, I did the hypnosis files. I did, never was able to work with a in-person. And I, and I can't believe that worked. Um, actually, I was talking to someone the other day who has used the files, and they said it had, they actually felt a hypnotic state. I'm like, oh, man, I was kind of bummed. I'm like, damn it. 
I mean, I had a positive experience, but I didn't have that experience. Anyways. So my message to you right now, if you're still listening to this after 40 minutes or whatever, although you may not believe it today, try to try to, to look at it this way. And this is what I had to do earlier in this is I basically so I heard this concept from a different YouTuber. It was Richard Granyan, Granin. And he was saying, you know, I can't tell you it's going to get better because you won't, you don't believe it and you can't, you, your mind won't process it. But what you have to do is you have to say, okay, there is a chance for a possibility that at some point in the future, years from now that things might start to get better. And that was enough for me to say, okay, maybe there's that chance. And I'll tell you back then there was no, you know, I mean, Richard, Richard's still making videos and stuff. And, but I don't know if he, I, I don't know. Well, he's never had the experience of, if you're on this channel, you've never had this experience of a toxic ex with kids and custody and parental alienation and all that stuff. And I, I guess what I'm saying is, so I didn't have anybody who, who could tell me a string along a story and make me go, okay, I resonate with that person. That person makes sense. I, they've walked in my, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm walking in their shoes and they walked in my shoes and I see that there's a chance because this guy was able to do it that I will be able to do it too. Now, it takes work. You have to work through the pain. You have to work through the trauma. You can't ignore it. You can't hide from it. You can't put it in a little box, wrap it up, put it under your bed, and expect that you're going to break free from this. What I'll leave you with on, on this or just another idea or concept is this. I use and used those reactions, those emotional, emotional visceral reactions to gauge my progress. Meaning I got to the point where it's like when something would happen and I would, you know, I would have an emotional flashback or PTSD or CPTSD, however you want to call it. I know they're a little bit different, but I mean... What I'm saying is, is that I got to the point where I'm like, okay, so there's still some trauma there that I haven't completely worked through. Now there is very little that causes me to, to engage in that. Now I will at times for the effect of this channel and even for the effect of when I'm talking with a coaching client, I will tap into those past experiences and kind of you know, relive, reverbalize some of the things I said, but the, but the passion and anger that I, I felt, I don't feel anymore. And that's the message from this, is that though this may feel like a big pile 
of shit, taking a full metal jack jacket reference. A private pile was in the bathroom. If you haven't seen that movie, you will not understand that comp that uh, reference. But you have to work through it. You have to say, you know what? I'm going to use this experience to transform my life, take it back, learn my universal lesson. For me, it was self-validation, respecting myself, having healthy boundaries, not feeling like I'm obligated to be a people pleaser or, or just do things for people out of guilt. And it, it tra has transformed my life. And if you do the same thing, it will transform yours. And what you will come to realize is even when before things really, like for me, before things changed to in the, you know, before I got raises, before, and a child support never went down, was never reduced, but before um, the kids started dropping off, she no longer had power over me, over my emotions. And I've now when I make decisions, I'm like, okay, so what's the best decision I can make that doesn't create extra drama for the kids? Because I will tell you that there was multiple times throughout, the, throughout this experience where I would do something to kind of poke her in the eye and she would just take it out on the kids. And it would hurt, potentially hurt my relationship with the kids. Uh, you know, I mean, it was just, it was, so I just stopped. I'm like, okay, it's not worth it. You know, it's like I've never taken the ex back when she, she's finally working now. And apparently she got a new job and a new raise and, and everything. And it's like, okay, you know, I'm not going to take, it's like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to risk blowing up my relationship with my kids or just adding the extra chaos and the risk of, of negatively affecting my peace for that. It just isn't worth it. You know, you probably, as I'm saying this, are thinking, well, you, she's getting away with things. Well, okay. But I'm getting to maintain my peace. I'm getting to keep the monster at the gates and not in, you know, in the environment. Anyways, I, I hope this discussion was helpful for you. I'd love to hear some feedback. You can drop me a note. I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to make a video version of this because nobody, nobody's going to watch an hour video. We're almost pushing an hour. But on that, uh, in the off chance that I do, I will uh, hit the button for the members list, turn back on the music, and just say thanks to all the folks who appreciate what I'm doing enough to click the YouTube membership thing to help support this channel. <laughs> I'll tell you, this. It, it is not a lucrative experience. So uh, I really do appreciate this. And on that, take care and I'll chat with you later.